Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is October 18th, 2021, and our first story... China has tested a hypersonic missile with nuclear capabilities sparking fear in the U.S. intelligence community, and the Biden administration admits we have no defense. Is war possible with China? Maybe. In our next story, Colin Powell has died of COVID even while fully vaccinated. And in our last story, police across the country are standing up saying no to vaccine mandates. And in Seattle, they're flying the Gadsden flag out of their cars. And before we get started, leave us a good review and give us five stars if you really like the show. And if you really, really like it, share the show with your friends. Tell them about it. Now, let's get into that first story. We are only just now learning that in August, China test fired a hypersonic missile that circled the globe before hitting its target. The missile, of course, is nuclear capable, triggering fears within the intelligence community. And the Biden administration is now admitting that we have no defense for such a weapon. A hypersonic missile flies at lower orbit. It is more maneuverability and it can bypass our missile defense systems. Of course, Russia also has hypersonic capabilities as well, which means gone are the uh, days of mutually assured destruction. If the U.S. is not capable of producing a deterrent of sorts, well, then we're in trouble. But I do think it's fair to point out that in all likelihood, the U.S. probably does have some pretty advanced military capabilities we don't know about. And to be real, probably a lot of the UFO sightings we see are just advanced U.S. weaponry. One of the funniest things about UFO sightings is that you'll get pilots being like, we were just outside of this experimental research base when we noticed a UFO. And it's like, gee, I wonder what that could have been. But there's a bigger question outside of UFOs, and that's, will the U.S. go to war with China? And increasingly, it seems like the answer is yes. Of course, you've heard me talk about Thucydides' trap over and over again, that when a rising economic power confronts the dominant economic power, war is extremely likely to break out. Now, there are some reasons to believe this won't happen, notably the collapse of the global economy in the United States and even in China. But it's also possible that tensions over Taiwan result in very serious war. Some are even speculating the U.S. should weigh nuclear war as an option to defend Taiwan. Now, I think it's very likely that the U.S. is on the on, maybe, maybe not likely that we'll lose. I don't know for sure, but I think we're losing. And one big reason is because of Mark Milley. 
He is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And during the Trump administration, he gave advanced warning of U.S. plans in the Pacific region, particularly as it pertains to China. He said to China in a phone call that we would not attack them. After everything that China had been doing, the one thing potentially keeping the Chinese military at bay, the Chinese Navy, was that there's a real risk the U.S. will strike. Now being given the clear by Mark Milley that we won't, China started pushing further, even sailing off of Hawaiian and Alaskan waters because they know the U.S. won't attack them. And even if they did, even if we did, Mark Milley promised advanced warning. So I think we're seeing the signs. War is possible. Republicans are warring that we have no capability to defend against this, this new technology from China. In China, they're creating propaganda films depicting the U.S. as the villains, much like we used to do in the Cold War with our movies. The Chinese propaganda department, or whatever it's called, is making movies with Americans as the villains and Americans losing rallying public support for an American enemy. All the meanwhile, the U.S. economy is struggling. Nay, it may be collapsing. I don't know for sure, but it certainly does seem like we are in the midst of an economic collapse. Labor shortages, shipping crises, trucker shortages, fuel prices skyrocketing, inflation. So uh, Many are actually arguing that it's not just a cold war with China. We've been at war with China for some time. It's just fifth generational, meaning they're going to go after our supply lines. They're going to go after us politically. They're going to cripple us from the inside out. And then when it comes to kinetic warfare, we will lose. But I don't know for sure. I can say the, the internal strife here in the U.S. leads me to believe that we are on the verge of destabilization. No empire lasts forever. But let's get started by reading about what's going on with this new hypersonic weapon and what it means and what the Biden administration is saying about it. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you will get exclusive access to our members-only content, which now includes more than just the TimCast IRL podcast. The first episode of The Green Room is up, which is us hanging out with some of our guests. We'll have an episode every Friday, and we're also going to be producing members-only episodes of Tales from the Inverted World. This is the show that people are really excited for. You see, the show itself is, an, is essays on paranormal, mystery, true crime, etc. We've got a bunch of really amazing stories coming up from Civil War ghost story type, you know, uh, issues. But the members-only segments will be conversations discussing the weird, the wild, the trippy stories. So make sure you sign up, become a member, support our journalists and the hard work we are doing. But don't forget to like this video, subscribe to this channel, share this show with your friends. I know you hear me say it all the time, but sharing the URL right now is the most powerful thing you can do because it's more powerful marketing than anything any mainstream media network could do. If every single person who watched this video right now shared it on social media, oh, sure, they can try and throttle it, but it would still help break through and counter the narrative of the mainstream press. Here's the story from the Financial Times. And with that being said, I am fully aware of the fact that I use mainstream press for the most part in these stories. Of course, I'll give you, I try to, a more critical view and I'll fact check. But here's a story from the Financial Times. China tests new space capability with hypersonic missile launch in August of nuclear capable rocket that circled the globe took U.S. intelligence by surprise. China tested a nuclear capable hypersonic missile in August that circled the globe before speeding towards its target, demonstrating an advanced space capability that caught the U.S. intelligence by surprise. I love how they repeat themselves when they do this. Five people familiar with the test said the Chinese military launched a rocket that carried a hypersonic glide vehicle 
which flew through low orbit space before cruising down towards its target. The missile missed its target by about two dozen miles, according to three people briefed in the intelligence. But two said the test showed that China had made astounding progress on hypersonic weapons and was far more advanced than U.S. officials realized. The test has raised new questions about why the U.S. often underestimated China's military modernization. Quote, we have no idea how they did this, said a fourth person. So to all the people who keep commenting on my videos about China, they're a paper tiger, Tim. They stand no chance. Look at this photo. It's just amazing. What is this? It looks like they're firing. It looks like out of a movie, like when the arc reactor explodes in Iron Man. Yeah, they've got some military capabilities, to say the least. They're going to say the U.S., Russia, and China are all developing hypersonic weapons, including glide vehicles that are launched into space on a rocket but orbit the Earth under their own momentum. They fly at five times the speed of sound, slower than a ballistic missile. But they do not follow the fixed parabolic trajectory of a ballistic missile and are maneuverable, making them harder to track. Taylor Fravel, an expert on Chinese nuclear weapons policy who was unaware of the test, said a hypersonic glide vehicle armed with a nuclear warhead could help China negate U.S. missile defense systems, which are designed to destroy incoming ballistic missiles. Hypersonic glide vehicles fly at lower trajectories and can maneuver in flight, which makes them hard to track and destroy. And Fravel a professor, uh, is a professor at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT. Fravel added, it would be destabilizing if China fully developed and deployed such a weapon. But he cautioned that a test did not necessarily mean that Beijing would deploy the capability. Duh. It's a show of power, a show of force. I mean, we have nukes. We test them all the time. It doesn't mean we're going to use them, but we certainly could. What kind of statement is that? They're going to say tensions between the U.S. and China have risen as the Biden administration has taken a tough track, a tough tack on Beijing, which has accused Washington of being overly hostile. Michael Gallagher, a Republican member of the House Armed Services Committee, said the test should serve as a call to action. The People's Liberation Army now has an increasingly credible capability to undermine our missile defenses and threaten the American homeland with both conventional and nuclear strikes. Even more disturbing is the fact that American technology has contributed to the PLA's hypersonic missile program. U.S. military officials in recent months have warned about China's growing nuclear capabilities, particularly after the release of satellite imagery that showed it was building more than 200 intercontinental missile silos. China is not bound by any arms control deals and has been unwilling to engage the U.S. in talks about its nuclear arsenal and policy. Last month, Frank Kendall, U.S. Air Force secretary, hinted that Beijing was developing a new weapon. He said China has made huge advances, including the potential for global strikes from space. He declined to provide details, but suggested that Beijing was developing something akin to the fractional orbit bombardment system that the USSR deployed for part of the Cold War before abandoning it. If you use that kind of approach, you don't have to use a traditional ICBM. That's intercontinental ballistic missile trajectory. It's a way to avoid defenses and missile warning systems. In August, General Glenn Van Herc, head of North American Aerospace Defense Command, told a conference that China had recently demonstrated very advanced hypersonic glide vehicle capabilities. He warned the Chinese capability would provide significant challenges to my NORAD capability to provide threat warning and attack assessment. Two of the people familiar with the Chinese test said the weapon could, in theory, fly over the South Pole. That would pose a big challenge for the U.S. military 
because its missiles def- missile defense system are focused on the northern polar route. Hu Shijin, editor of the Global Times, an ultra-nationalist Chinese state-run media outlet, tweeted that Beijing would improve its nuclear deterrence to ensure that the U.S. abandons the idea of nuclear blackmail against China. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. You may be familiar with some concepts. Thucydides' trap, as I mentioned. Maybe our economic downturn will prevent a Thucydides' trap. But maybe economic downturn results in desperation, which results in war. There's also something else to consider. The fourth turning. Now, I know a lot of people don't like the idea. They think it's silly, but a lot of people are big fans. For those that aren't familiar, there's basically four turnings before a reset. What that means is, what happened 80 years ago? World War II. What happened 80 years before that? The Civil War. What happened 80 years before that? The American War for Independence. You see where this is going. Many people believe that we are in the fourth turning right now. So after a great conflict, it resets to the first turning, second, third, and then fourth. In the fourth turning, it is stated that war is likely, and the most powerful weapons of the time will be used. Now, for many of us, We talked about how social media intelligence communications is that new weapon. In fact, we did a big segment on Timcast IRL where I said social media is the most advanced weapon ever. You can win a war without firing a single shot. You can convince the people in the country of your enemy to lay down and serve you. Perhaps I'm wrong. Perhaps there will be real weapons outside of espionage and manipulation and propaganda. I mean, propaganda existed in World War II and all of these other conflicts. People are always trying to advocate for their cause to rally people. With social media, it's much easier to influence an entire nation, but you still may end up needing some kind of weapon because if your people are propagandized and start basically giving in to the enemy's demands, they're still going to be a defiant faction with some governmental authority that may want to go to war, in which case advanced weapons do exist. And according to the fourth turning, will be used. One of the things that worried me the most is, uh, well, Biden's administration admitting we have no defense from the independent. Biden's disarmament envoy admits U.S. has no defense against hypersonic weapons amid reports of China missile. U.S. doesn't know how we can defend against those technologies, admits disarmament envoy. Robert Wood spoke to journalists on Monday following a report from the Financial Times on Monday citing five unnamed sources claiming that China's government had successfully tested a nuclear-capable missile with the ability to travel faster than the speed of sound, which is not that big of a deal, honestly. It's not not, not the hypersonic, as we read from the Financial Times. It's actually a bit slower than ICBMs. They go on to say, 
Beijing officials explained on Monday that it had carried a test of a space vehicle in July, declaring it was not a missile. It was a space vehicle, according to the Jerusalem Post. Interesting. Now, of course, the main bit from this story is the quote, we just don't know how we can defend against that type of technology, he continued, before clarifying, neither does China or Russia. So this is something else, huh? Here's where it gets interesting. CNN reporting, China denies testing a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile, saying it was a spacecraft. Really? I'm not sure what to believe, to be completely honest. China, probably lying. The U.S. government, also probably lying. I'm more inclined to believe the United States over China, to be completely honest, because as much as the U.S. government lies, and lies all the time, China has a vested interest in manipulating the American people. So not that I'm too trusting of either government. The reality is China wants you to be scared and confused. The United States wants you to be prepared against a fight with China. It's tough, isn't it, though? You really don't know. I mean, the U.S. could be saying China's doing this because they want you to rally against China. I'm going to say this. I think China's gearing up for war. They're building these atolls. They're trying to seize the South China Sea. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think it was a weapon. We don't know for sure. But CNN reports, China has denied a report that it tested a nuclear-capable hypersonic missile in August, saying on Monday that it tested instead a routine spacecraft experiment. When asked about the report at a regular press briefing Monday, China's Ministry of Foreign Affairs spokesperson Xiao Lijian said the August test was a spacecraft, not a missile. The test was a routine spacecraft experiment to verify the reusable technology of spacecraft, which is of great significance for reducing the cost of spacecraft use. It can provide a convenient and cheap way for humans to use space peacefully. Many companies in the world have carried out similar, ex- carried out similar experiments. He said that what separated from the spacecraft before returning was the supporting equipment of the spacecraft, which was burned and disintegrated in the process of falling into the atmosphere and landed on, high, on the high seas. China will work together with other countries in the world to benefit mankind in the peaceful use of space. Responding to the Financial Times report, Mike Gallagher, a Republican member of the U.S. House Armed Services Committee, said the alleged hypersonic missile test would serve as a call to action. We have this story from the New York Post. GOP rep warns U.S. could lose new Cold War with China following missile launch. I don't know if we need to be worried about a Cold War, my friends. I think we need to be worried about a hot war. I think we're in one. Take a look at this story from TechCrunch. We are not in competition with China. We are at war, argues a provocative new book from Jacob Helberg. TechCrunch reports, if China once seemed to be committed to the free market economy over the course of 2021, it has shattered that illusion entirely entirely and abruptly by, by disempowering its own tech companies and turning up the dials on media censorship at the direction of a president who three years ago oversaw the erasure of presidential limits from the country's constitution. One thing I find really funny is that we've had many people on Timcast IRL who speak Mandarin and Cantonese. I think mostly it's Mandarin, though, and said that this is a mistranslation. They say president, but the actual translation is chairman. We say president, I guess, because it's At some point, they just changed the word. It's more relatable to Americans, I suppose, but it's not the right word. It implies some kind of democratic process, I suppose. They go on to say, the U.S. and Silicon Valley in particular needs to be paying much closer attention to the consolidation of power, suggests Jacob Helberg, who is co-chair of the Brookings Institution China Strategy Initiative. 
a former senior advisor to Stanford Cyber Policy Institute and a former news policy lead at Google. In a gripping new book titled The Wires of War, Technology and the Global Struggle for Power, Helberg lays out how China's techno-totalitarian regime may be first impacting the Chinese people, the first victims, he says, but why its efforts to increasingly control the software and the hardware of the internet are a real and present and fast escalating danger to the U.S. and democracies everywhere. Indeed, he says, one need look no further than India, which seemed to receive a warning by the Chinese government last year when the power went out in a city of 20 million people of what could be coming to the U.S. absent drastic and unified action on the part of private industry and the federal government. He talked to us yesterday in a chat that has been edited for length below. You can hear the fuller conversation. They link to it. Already at war with China. Let me show you something that I think is quite humorous, but also quite alarming. We have this story from the Washington Post. Americans vanquished. China triumphant. 2021's hit war epic doesn't fit Hollywood script. Script. I believe this is the number one grossing film of the year. Maybe you haven't heard of it. It's called The Battle of Shangjin, and it is a story about UN forces losing in North Korea when China intervened. Why haven't you heard about it? It's not American, I guess. Now, isn't that interesting? American movies are made and sold in China, and they consume them. Chinese movies are made, we don't watch, and they make more money. They say, released September 30th, just before China's National Day, the movie broke 667 million in ticket sales within two weeks, making it already the fourth highest grossing film of the year worldwide. Okay, to be fair, fourth highest. But they are coming for us. With a budget of 200 million and 70,000 extras, directors Chen Kaigi, Sui Hark, and Dante Lam tell the story of the battle that helped turn the tide of war. With liberal use of slow motion explosions and long single shot fight scenes that showed the Chinese forces eking out a victory despite heavy casualties. They say the battle at Lake Shangjin was commissioned by the propaganda department of the Chinese Communist Party and made with support from the Central Military Commission and local governments in Beijing and Hebei and Liaoning provinces. Sorry, I don't speak Mandarin, but you know, I'm trying. They say, yet the state-run China Daily pushed back against the idea that the movie was any different from American war movies such as Pearl Harbor or Saving Private Ryan. On Weibo, China's Twitter-like platform, the outlet accused CNN of smearing the film by labeling it propaganda. (laughs) I mean, it was commissioned by your propaganda department. The Chinese and North Korean successful campaign to hold off U.S. troops during the Korean War, known in China as the War to Resist U.S. Aggression and Aid Korea, is among the foundational myths of the People's Republic. The Chinese soldiers sent by Mao Zedong across the frozen Yalu River to support North Korea are valorized in official Communist Party history. And those who died, including Mao's son, Mao Anying, are considered martyrs during the Mao era. The war played an important role in China's popular culture, and a number of feature films about the conflict were made, often emphasizing the bonds between North Korea and Chinese troops who fought together to further the socialist cause. I pulled up the history here so you can see it's the Battle of Chosin Reservoir. Interestingly, they say, UN forces nevertheless were able to break out of the encirclement of of 120,000 troops and make a fighting withdrawal to the port of Hungnam, inflicting heavy casualties on the Chinese. The retreat of the U.S. 8th Army from the northwest Korea in the aftermath of the Battle of the Cheongchan River and the evacuation of the ex-corps from the port of Hungnam in northeast Korea marked the complete withdrawal of UN troops from North Korea. 
China's intervention pushed back the U.S. and secured North Korea. The U.S., of course, secured South Korea. And here we are. Now, this is history. But right now, what we're seeing is a modern retelling. This is propaganda. The Americans are the villains. You know, the funny thing about Pearl Harbor is that the Nazis were defeated and they're gone. I mean, for the most part, they're gone. As an institutional power, as a threat, they're gone. Germany still exists, but with a new government. The United States, as we, as we know it, doesn't have a new government. So for China to say, like, it's the same thing, what does that imply about their view of what our government is? A shell of its former self? It is. The America that fought in World War II, the America that fought in the Cold War, we're not the same country anymore. We're very, very different. And now with internal strife and economic collapse, they're painting a picture that make, seeks to make us look like villains and look weak. Why? Well, war may be coming. Take a look at this story. From CNBC, China calls military drills near Taiwan a just move. Chinese military exercises near Taiwan are targeted at forces promoting the island's formal independence and are a just move to protect peace and stability. China's Taiwan Affairs Office said he was speaking after China mounted four straight days of mass air force incursions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone that began October 1st. Military tensions with China, which claims Taiwan is its own territory, are at their worst in more than 40 years, Taiwan's defense minister said last week. Over at The Guardian, October 5th, the U.S. must avoid war with China over Taiwan at all costs. Lieutenant Colonel Daniel L. Davis writing, he says, since last Friday, China has launched a total of 155 warplanes, the most ever over four consecutive days into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. Ned Price said the State Department was very concerned. There have been more than 500 such flights through nine months this year, as opposed to 300 of all of last year. Before war comes to the Indo-Pacific and Washington faces pressure to fight a potentially existential war, American policymakers must face the cold, hard reality that fighting China over Taiwan risks an almost certain military defeat and gambles we won't stumble into a nuclear war. Bluntly put, America should refuse to be drawn into a no-win war with Beijing. It needs to be set up front. There would be no palatable choice for Washington if China finally makes good on its decades-long threat to take Taiwan by force. Either choose a bad, bitter-lasting outcome or a self-destructive one in which our existence is put at risk. The prevailing mood in Washington among officials and opinion leaders is to fight if China attempts to conquer Taiwan by force. In a speech at the Center for Strategic Studies last Friday, the Deputy Secretary of Defense Kathleen Hicks said that if Beijing invades Taiwan, we have a significant amount of capability tore a forward in that region to tamp down any such potential. Either Hicks is unaware of how little wartime capacity we actually have forward deployed in the Indo-Pacific, or she's unaware of how significant China's capacity is off its shores. But whichever the case, we are in no way guaranteed to tamp down a Chinese invasion of Taiwan. And we can thank the corrupt, the crooked, the psychotic individuals like Mark Milley, who gave China advanced warning. We won't do anything to stop you. After everything China has done, we are learning that the Joint Chiefs of Staff called the Chinese military and said, you're good. Wow. A tremendous sign of weakness from the U.S. military. And so China's emboldened. They're absolutely emboldened. What can we expect? 
They won't take our threats seriously. You remember that story when China was yelling at, I think it was Anthony Blinken saying, you have no right to come at us from a position of power. The U.S. is faltering. China is emboldened. They know that they have the capabilities. And yet people keep saying things like China's a paper tiger. It doesn't matter who wins in a war. A major war could destabilize the U.S., leaving no winners, but causing a major fissure and destruction within the U.S. I don't know exactly what would happen if war were declared, but I imagine the U.S. would tear itself apart before any meaningful actions would be taken. You'd think that a war would unite the people of this country, but mm -mm, no, I don't think so. Many people were wondering if COVID, a shared threat, would unite the two factions, the two parent factions in America in the culture war. No, it's only made things worse. So what would happen if a war broke out with China? Do you think the left and the right would all of a sudden agree? No. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I mention it often. I'm reminded of Northern Ireland. If you've ever heard of the Peace Wall, how on one side they're like, we're pro-Palestinian because, you know, they're being occupied by an oppressive force. And the other side says, we're pro-Israel because you're pro-Palestine or whatever. And I'm like, you're in Ireland. I get the conflict there, but what are you even fighting about at this point? And then I'm reminded of that song by the Cranberries, Zombie. Zombie is, of course, about the troubles. And in it, she says, it's not me. It's not my family in your head. They're still fighting. And I think it's interesting. I don't know exactly where the commas go in that sentence. But when I see stories about, you know, when I think about the culture war, when I see what the left says, I'm like, they're not talking about me when they talk about, you know, the right and conservatives and Trump supporters, except when they literally talk about me and lump me in with those people. When they view the right and write these stories, they'll take like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's like a single individual and not representative of everybody and not even particularly prominent and act like she is everyone. And then I say to that, it's not me, not my family, whoever it is you're fighting. The interesting thing is the inverse is not the same. We take a look at Joe Biden himself. We take a look at Adam Schiff and these high ranking, uh, the, I shouldn't say necessarily high ranking, but these members of Congress that have been able to enact their agendas whether through impeachment or the January 6th committee, the establishment media, they have institutional authority and power and they're wielding it. So it is those institutions I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about progressive social, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, democratic socialists for the most part, although they do tend to side with the establishment. They act like Donald Trump is the most powerful individual we've ever seen. And he barely did anything. And that's it. They don't understand. So what would happen if a war really broke out? The U.S. would gut itself and the war would be over nearly instantly. Questions remain from foreignpolicy.com. Is defending Taiwan worth the risk? If we can't defend Taiwan, it's all over. The U.S. has no more strength if that's the case. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. But if we don't, the economy is going to get substantially worse. Taiwan is Silicon Valley West, saith Steve Bannon, and we rely on them for silicon chips, which are now in short supply. 
If China controls that supply, we will be beholden to China and for, for our electronics. Granted, we still have the petrodollar, but how long can that last? You take a look at what's going on in the U.S., and I don't know if we have the capabilities to actually stand up and, and actually fight a war. Steve Buttigieg says supply chain troubles could last into next year. You know, I look at these old movies, Alien Invasions, Independence Day. You want to know why I think Independence Day is actually kind of dumb? What did the aliens do first? They go over skyscrapers in a bunch of major cities and blow them up. I always thought that was kind of funny. I mean, when I was a kid, it didn't mean anything to me. But when I got older, I'm like, why wouldn't they just go over like the frack fields or like the Gulf, uh, the, the, the Gulf region, in the Middle East, and just wipe out our fuel production? Because then everything just shuts down in a week. You see, if there was a centralized attack on the energy infrastructure, there is no there's nothing. That's it. Take a look at the supply chain. You know, one of the funniest things about war is that people don't understand the, the massive infrastructure required. Soldiers march on their bellies, as the saying goes. When an army is going from one place to another, they got to eat. There's no food. There's no army. So think about it this way. In order to maintain a war, supply lines need to be moving. And we need to have manufacturing capabilities. The United States doesn't have any manufacturing capabilities right now. We've been gutted. If China declared war on us and shut down all our goods, what are we going to do about it? Well, I don't, I don't exactly know how we got out of the situation, especially when you have a Biden who wants to just continue gutting everything, I suppose. That being said, China is also somewhat dependent upon us. But with all the manufacturing, they can easily take it over and run a war effort. So what are we left with? If a war were to break out, that's it. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if people you know, understand this about the size and infrastructure of a military. When I was talking to one of our guests on Timcast IRL about military capabilities, like we see with this hypersonic weapon, I said, what if they were building something you know, bigger, more missiles, like we wouldn't know? And a good point was brought up. We have satellites. We can see everything. If the Chinese or anybody, Russia, were building things, we would know it. Because in order to build a hypersonic missile, and the reason we know about it, is that you, you've got to move certain materials from one place to another. We would then see trucks shipping in nuclear material, uh, material and, and metals into a refinery. We would see ships bringing in the materials, and we would say, all of that points to weapons manufacturing. Unless they did some like deep compartmentalization and secret underground tunnels, which I'd have to imagine they would probably be doing. I don't mean like deep underground military bases. I mean just like trains, like subways, which exist. But who knows? I certainly don't. Maybe the U.S. does. Maybe all this is old news. I mean, the hypersonic missile test was in August. It's been months. And now we're only learning about it. There's something that people refer to as the secret war conspiracy theory. The idea that we're actually, there is hot conflict happening, but we just don't know about it. And that's why Biden acts so weird. I think it's silly. But I'll tell you this. A hypersonic missile was launched that circled the globe before hitting, its, uh, hitting just outside its target. And we didn't know about it. Imagine what else could be going on that you don't know about. War? I don't know, but maybe. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all then. Huge news this morning. Colin Powell has died at 84. His family says it was due to complications from COVID-19, even though 
He was fully vaccinated. He was the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Secretary of State and National Security Advisor. Now, one of the things I find particularly interesting in this story is that all of these major mainstream news outlets are noting very blatantly that he was fully vaccinated. But he was 84 and, he, and, he, and they say he died of complications from COVID. Now, the New York Times just put of COVID-19. Many people are now saying, see, look, he was fully vaccinated. They're questioning whether vaccines work. Other people are saying this proves we need booster shots for those who are immunocompromised or elderly. I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor. You talk to your doctor about what makes sense for you. But I do think it's fascinating that the New York Times, they say Colin, uh, Colin Powell has died at 84 of COVID-19. He was fully vaccinated, his family says. We then have this from MSNBC. Powell was fully vaccinated from COVID-19, his family says. We then have this from the AP. Colin Powell's family said an announcement on social media that he had been fully vaccinated. We have lost a remarkable and loving husband, father, and grandfather, and a great American, the family said. And then we have this, which I think is important, from uh, Nisikan Akpan, a PhD. Colin Powell was fully vaccinated. And 84 years old, a.k.a. his death, is an unfortunate reminder of why boosters are needed for older adults, i.e. weaker immune systems, and of why the pandemic needs to be brought under control ASAP. This is an individual verified, um, highly melanated WNYC editor, health and science, past Nat Geo, so saith this uh, individual's bio. So perhaps the re- that, that's the reason why many news outlets are highlighting the fully vaccinated thing. The reason why I think that is particularly interesting, though, is that it's going to sow doubts on the vaccine by having every mainstream organization put that out there. But if, it, but if it's true, then, then, then so be it. I suppose the bigger challenge is that I'm more likely to get censored by simply pointing that out than these news outlets for saying it. But it is what it is, I suppose. If it happened, it happened, and it should be reported. In a Facebook post, which is actually kind of funny, and I, I, I don't mean to make light of this. I mean, I'm making, I, I want to make sure you understand. I'm saying I'm making fun of Facebook. You know, I think death is sad, uh, no, you know, no matter who it was, even if it's someone like Colin Powell helping make the Iraq war possible, for instance. On Facebook, on uh, General Colin L. Powell's verified Facebook, it says, General Colin L. Powell, former U.S. Secretary of State and Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, passed away this morning due to complications from COVID-19. He was fully vaccinated. We want to thank the medical staff at Walter Reed National Medical Center for their caring treatment. We have lost a remarkable and loving husband, father, grandfather, and a great American, the Powell family. Now, what's, what's funny about what Facebook does here is then below the post, it says, visit the COVID-19 Information Center for vaccine resources. And that's the point. This is the family of Colin Powell saying he was fully vaccinated. He died anyway. This is the mainstream media saying the same thing. And Facebook is like, check our resources. Look, I'm not going to talk about efficacy or anything like that. That's up to you. You go talk to your doctor, figure out what makes sense. But I do think it is very important. We read a little bit about the, uh, the obituary of Colin Powell, just a little bit so you can understand some of the context. But I want to talk about something bigger here, and that is well, as you know, there's more and more hypocrisy every day from the politicians demanding restrictions based on COVID that they, f- they, they flout. They completely ignore their own rules. And as we're getting a story of a man who was fully vaccinated and people are calling for booster shots, I think there's interesting questions about why particular individuals in politics would be calling for more restrictions yet not following them. Well, here's the story from the New York Times, the obituary. They say, Colin L. Powell, 
who in four decades of public life served as the nation's top soldier, diplomat, and national security advisor, and whose speech at the UN in 2003 helped pave the way for the US to go to war in Iraq, died on Monday. He was 84. Mr. Powell was a pathbreaker, serving as the country's first African-American national security advisor, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and Secretary of State. Born in Harlem of Jamaican parents, Mr. Powell grew up in the South Bronx and graduated from City College of New York, joining the Army through ROTC from a young second lieutenant commissioned in the dawn of a newly desegregated army. Mr. Powell served two decorated combat tours in Vietnam. He later was national security advisor to uh, President Ronald Reagan at the end of the Cold War, helping negotiate arms treaties and end an era of cooperation. uh, I'm sorry, arms treaties and an era of cooperation with the Soviet president, Mikhail Gorbachev. As chairman of the Joint Chiefs, he was the architect of the invasion of Panama in 1989 and of the Persian Gulf War in 1991 that ousted Saddam Hussein from Kuwait, but left him in power in Iraq. Along with then Defense Secretary Dick Cheney, Mr. Powell reshaped the American Cold War military that stood ready at the Iron Curtain for half a century. In doing so, he stamped the Powell Doctrine on military operations armed with clear political objectives and public support use decisive and overwhelming force to defeat enemy forces. Let me just uh, state, not a guy I would consider to be a good person. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not going to play silly games. I will say this, as I said, of even John McCain. I'm sure that, um, you know, he was doing some kind of service. I won't revel in anyone's death or anything like that. But these are warmongers. These are these are just bad people. And I, I genuinely believe that most people think they're doing something good. I don't believe that that Colin Powell was sitting there being like, I'm going to invade Iraq. I'm sure he was like, if we do this, it'll be good for everybody except the Iraqi people and Americans will get oil and all that other stuff. It's it's just American empire. Not a fan. I'm not going to act like this is a good person, in my opinion. No, I think he's a bad person. But I think it's another example of, you know, at the very least, when the media says fully vaccinated over and over again. It feels like they're laying the groundwork, in my opinion, for booster shots. But I have to wonder why it is that so many of these elites don't follow their their, their own rules. I will I will stress this story as well, which is coming out, you know, just a few days ago. Unvaccinated, 11 times more likely to die from COVID-19 than fully vaccinated. I'm showing you this because I know there's a lot of people. There was some data, I think it was out of Massachusetts. There's some data out of West Virginia showing that vaccinated individuals were dying at high rates. Those stories, I believe, are, are, are true. But they're also just individual locations. I actually did the math on this one. And there was a number, uh, um, I can't remember the exact number. I think it was a 0.00018% chance of catching and dying from COVID if you are healthy and under 40. Um, The reason I say that is because I've actually looked up a lot of the different metrics and data from across the country. And this uh, uh, is actually one of the numbers I based my calculation off of. So, you know, framing is everything. I can come out and be like, if you are healthy under 40, your chances of catching and then dying of COVID is extremely low. Um, That being said, I did use this data as well, which is to say that when you take into account all demographics, unvaccinated are substantially more likely to die based on uh, the data that I've reviewed so far. But again, talk to your doctor, talk to a trusted medical professional. You know, Joe Joe Rogan apparently had a doctor that uh, he thought was good, that CNN thought was bad. Um, So that's between him and his doctor, because I don't know. I will say, however, for for all these news outlets to be highlighting the fully vaccinated thing is interesting. It's interesting. It is. Let's take a let's take let's take a look at. Okay, so that. uh, All right. This is this is more booster shot stuff. This is why I pulled up this tweet. 
A lot of people are saying that the media won't highlight that he's fully vaccinated. And I, and I, I do find this fascinating. Diane Gallagher says former secretary, uh, U.S. Secretary of State uh, Colin Powell has died. Then we then see people saying, well, the, well, the mainstream media let us know he was fully vaccinated. One person says, I'm going to bet they won't. Another man says, what are you talking about? They literally say this. I know, but w- what? Front and center. Okay. And then we can see the response. But was he boosted? There you go, my friends. I don't think the vaccine mandate is about mandating vaccines. I think it's about mandating practice. You know, they, they talk about grade schools. They say, you know why grade schools have the bell that rings? It was to train kids to work in factories because that's when the shift had happened. The bell would ring and you knew your shift was over and you'd leave. So they did that in school so kids would grow up and then be ready to work in factories, which is kind of weird because it's like, did they think factories would last forever? I don't know. They started selling our factories to Mexico, in China, Japan, Vietnam, etc. Clothing in Bangladesh. You get the point. Smirking Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot brazenly breaks her own COVID rules by going barefaced in masked crowd at basketball game, then sharing it on her Twitter account. Flouting, flaunting, laughing. No regard for her own rules. Yeah, the vaccine mandate is not about the mandate uh, about the vaccine. Mask mandates are not about masks. It is not about COVID. It is about compliance. And for these people, they don't have to comply and they never will. That's the, that's the, that's the game, isn't it? The Daily Mail says controversial Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot hit the headlines again after breaking her city's own mask rules to pose for a photo barefaced at a basketball game. Lightfoot shared the snap of herself smiling while surrounded by scores of fans, all of them masked after the game at Chicago's Trust Arena Sunday night. What a moment. Congrats, champs. The first but not the last for Chicago Sky. Mm. She tweeted, while the WNBA title with an 80 to 74 win over the Phoenix. There's all of the other plebs wearing their masks. And you can tell they're all like laughing or smiling, but she didn't got to abide by the rules. Lightfoot shared the snap despite Illinois statewide mask mandate requiring all sporting fans over the age of two to wear masks the Wintrust Arena, regardless of the vaccination status. Lightfoot's lack of a mask quickly caught the attention of followers on Twitter who are less than impressed. So I have family in, in Illinois and they tell me it's bad. And it's really weird to be in West Virginia and like the tri-state area around Harper's Ferry and just have none of this at all. No mask mandates, um, no vaccine mandates, and life just seems to be kind of normal, except for all the shortages and the economic collapse. Yeah, you get it. I, I, it's not the, the look, you know, I see these stories in the mainstream media and I'm not trying to. Um, it does seem kind of weird to be like, hey, look, Colin Powell died. And also look at this other political stuff. But I, I, I think it's relevant in the context of how the news stories are handling it. And I think it's relevant in the context of what we're going to be uh, dealing with moving forward. This is a high profile story where they're telling us all that he was fully vaccinated. It's a great justification for booster shots. They're going to lay that groundwork for some time. They're going to come out and say you need booster shots. And then do you think the wealthy and powerful elites are going to follow any of these rules? Look, I don't know if Lori Lightfoot is vaccinated, but I'm willing to bet tons of these powerful and wealthy elites are not. Seriously, you'd think that they would be because they have money and access, but I'm willing to bet they're not simply because they don't play by the rules. They go out and do whatever they want. If, 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 look, I'll put it this way. Lori Lightfoot should wear a mask to help slow the spread, right? Right. She should also be vaccinated, right? Okay. Well, she's not wearing a mask. She clearly doesn't care about COVID, right? Why would she then go get vaccinated? 
Why should I assume? Now, I don't know. Maybe there's a video of her doing it. The point I'm saying is there's probably a lot of high, power, uh, high profile elites who haven't done it. The interesting thing, too, I'll say about this, Tucker Carlson. I'm willing to bet Tucker Carlson didn't get vaccinated. Working at a company like Fox News where they have a vaccine mandate. It could be that Tucker is contracted and doesn't, isn't an official employee, but I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know about Tucker Carlson's situation. He's not, you know, talking too much about it. But check, take a look at this story from the New York Post. Biden's seen violating D.C.'s indoor mask mandate at pricey restaurant. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, the plebs will all wear their masks and the wealthy and powerful elites will do whatever they want. OK, well, they say Colin Powell was fully vaccinated. I have no reason to believe he wasn't. I mean, you, you can't just make a, a conspiracy out of every single circumstance. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people who saw a video of Joe Biden getting getting his booster shot. And, you know, even Joe Rogan questioned if they actually gave him a real vaccination because it was live. And, you know, what if he had an adverse event or whatever? And I'm just like, it's probably just a booster shot. And the simple solution tends to be the correct one. But of course, when, when you're dealing with the president, you're going to have different circumstances. Here we can see that Joe Biden isn't he's not wearing a mask and the, to the Biden scene violating the mask policy. They don't care. Biden's not worried about spreading COVID. I'm not even convinced he's worried about getting it. But, you know, there's a lot of people who think that uh, that he, he, he would fake it. And if you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't believe in any big, grandiose conspiracies like that. I do think, however, that when it comes to the media, they will want to put out that, oh, no, look at these people who were vaccinated and got sick. Oh, geez, we're going to need booster shots. It's going to be great for, for Pfizer and these big pharmaceutical companies who want to sell more booster, who want to sell more vaccines. And it's going to be great for compliance in the long run. If they can keep scaring you into mandates and no one stands up, then they need only a certain threshold. It would be like if you had 50 percent of the people saying they will abide by a rule, but 50 percent saying they won't, then the rule doesn't stick. You need a large group. If people are walking around New York not following the rules, why would anybody else? Some people will out of fear. Most people won't. And then you won't be able to maintain any kind of social credit system. But if you get a good, a good amount of people to be compliant, then eventually someone will walk into a store. Everybody will be wearing a mask and they'll be like, OK, fine, whatever. I'll put the mask on. Then you can say, oh, get your app. Then you can just one, you know, increment after increment, have people continually buy into what will ultimately turn into a mainstream social credit system. And they'll do all sorts of, all sorts of things. You'll have your full medical history on it. They'll say, you know, have you gotten your full vaccine series or schedule or whatever? It won't just be one shot. It won't just be one booster. It's going to be other things. I don't, I don't know if it ultimately ends up with like, you jaywalked, lose one point. You know, I think that's what it's like in, in China. But I think that's where we're going. We already have a credit system. And I think it's like kind of awful because it makes no sense. Credit scores in general make no sense. And we're sitting here being like, social credit is bad. Well, what about regular credit? FICO scores are awful. We already live under that boot. I mean, come on, you guys all know it. The, the, work, the working class all know it. You have no credit. You can't get a loan. What was that? You have bad credit. You can't fix it. It's amazing to me that you can pay a cell phone bill perfectly on time every time. It doesn't improve your credit. 
but you miss one payment, they'll report it and boom, your credit collapses. It is very difficult to maintain a basic credit system. And there's not a big difference between social credit and our existing credit system. What's the difference? You want to buy some land right now? Hope you got good credit. How do you get good credit? Have money. No, seriously. The funny thing is, I would say this. I have really good credit, but I know people who are, you know, less well off than I am who have way better credit because it's a game. It's a game about compliance. It's a game about taking out tons of credit cards and then paying off the minimum every month so you can show that your credit history is good. But if you're paying off your credit card every day or you don't have credit because you don't want debt, your credit is bad. Isn't that funny? If you say, I don't need your debt in order to live and buy a house or whatever, they say, you have bad credit. Well, you have no credit. Sorry, not enough credit history. It makes sense on the surface, right? Like, how are we supposed to loan you money if we don't know if you're going to be capable of paying it back and be responsible? Think about what that means moving forward for social credit systems. I think it'll be a nightmare, and we've already seen it. Take a look at this from the Daily Mail. Woman, 65, with end-stage liver disease is denied life-saving transplant because she refuses to have COVID vaccine over religious and medical fears. Denied life-saving transplant. Michelle Vitulo, 65, was set to get her daughter Angela's kidney this month. The Cleveland Clinic canceled the procedure because they're unvaccinated. Kidney or liver? Oh, I'm sorry. I, I don't. I, yeah, liver disease. End-stage liver disease. I guess, okay, the liver disease, she needs a kidney. All right, my mistake. Then we get the news that we're taken off the list. Daughter Angela, 43, who was worried about adverse reactions from, from the shot. Jim, Michelle's husband, said to us, it's a big mistake. It's against our beliefs. Michelle's future may be in jeopardy if she doesn't get the life-saving procedure. I feel bad because my grandkids, they say, Grandma, we're paying, praying for you to get better, Michelle told a, lo- a local TV station. Now, this one's a remarkable story. You may have seen it. This story's been going around. This one's remarkable. It may be a different one. There may be more than one story of this. I think it might be more than one. If you do not abide by what we demand, you die. Now, that is something else. That's what social credit score means. If you're not in line with what the establishment has decreed, even though they don't follow their own rules, we're going to let you die. That's right. You will not get a kidney from a willing participant who wants to give it to you. Sorry. That's where this goes. This is where things escalate to. The credit system is bad enough, right? You get one bad debt, you miss a payment, your credit goes in the gutter. You, w- even when you want to just get your credit checked, they nuke your credit. Hard inquiry is bad for your credit. Why? Because they're trying to hold you back. They're trying to hold you back. Apply that to a social credit system. You're late for work and all of a sudden, bad social credit and you're like, but when I'm here on time, no one cares. Well, you're supposed to be here on time. Being late is wrong, so we'll give you a mark. And then what? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if in 20 or 30 years we have a hard number. Your social credit score is 75 out of 100 or whatever. I don't know. FICO is 400, 800 or whatever, which is like the weirdest thing ever. It's like that episode of Black Mirror. You see it where the woman is she has like a good credit score and she's like all chipper and cheery. But then she's trying to like make it to a wedding or something and everything goes wrong. And the angrier she gets, the more her score goes down. And because her score goes down, she can't get a car and it makes everything worse. And then she's in the gutter. Can't have that. I don't know if, that's, if that, that's exactly how it will manifest, right? The Black Mirror stuff is like a vision of what the future may hold. But I just got to say, if you take a look at how things have been implemented so far, we're, 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 we're escalating. That being said, however, I do, th- I, I do feel a bit optimistic because 
the moves being made by the establishment, by the authoritarians are so overt and, and, and nightmarish. I think it's waking a lot of people up. And that's why Joe Biden's approval rating is in the gutter. They're not going to be able to implement this stuff without making everybody just angrier and angrier. There need, there would need to be like a cooling off period for people to calm down. Like the, was the Carl Richter rat hope experiment where they take the rats out of the water. You get the point. And the rats feel hopeful. If they just keep beating people over the head with stories like this, then I think people are eventually just going to snap and be like, I ain't playing anymore. But maybe that's it. You know, a lot of people have said that in the Great Reset, the establishment wants massive super cities where people can't touch nature. I'm not convinced. I think they actually want people to be living like, you know, I, I was taught, we, we talked about this with Alex Jones when he was mentioning the story Ishmael, that they want everyone to go back to a more primitive style of living. Yeah, I think the establishment wants people to homestead. I really do. Van life. They, they, YouTube promotes van life like crazy. Now millennials are like, wow, I'm so excited to be living in a van. Think about that. Our parents were like, going to buy a house, have kids, get married. Now it's like, I'm going to live in a van by myself with a cat. And YouTube promotes that stuff. Girl with snake in van heavily promoted millions of subscribers. That's going to influence culture. And they're doing it on purpose. I'm not saying they're trying to make people want to live in vans on purpose. I'm saying that's what they're promoting on purpose. So what happens? In the future, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Sad uh, to hear the passing of Colin Powell, but not a fan of the guy. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. The story is nice, but the numbers, not entirely there. At least that's what they're claiming. But we can see here in this photo, the freedom flew. Police officers in Seattle flying the Gadsden flag from their vehicles. More than one photo has emerged. Reports are that Seattle PD is refusing the vaccine mandate. And many of these officers are going to take time off while they decide what they're going to do. What it really sounds like to me is that they're going to take all of their paid time off, vacation, sick, take as much from that system as they can before they say, yo, we out. Freedom first. Now, we saw this with Southwest. Right now, there's protests going on. Southwest employees are saying no to the vaccine mandates. But the media says that these individuals weren't organizing any kind of protest or sick out. They're right. But they're also wrong because they're telling you there's no organized effort against against the vaccine mandates, which is technically the truth. But they're not telling you the, the full truth. And that's many of these employees are extracting their paid time off or they're using it and their vacation time because they know they're about to get fired. I mean, it's a heavy thing to be mandated to undergo a medical procedure against your will. I just I'm not surprised we're seeing people say outright no. But the numbers at least the official numbers, which could be wrong, are not too promising. In Seattle, we're hearing between either it's either 11 percent of officers who are refusing or 6 percent. A substantial number. I think it matters, but it's still a small number relative to the amount of people who are just like, I'll do whatever I'm told. You got to understand what happens to the future if you comply with things like this. If they can mandate, if they can mandate something like this, they can mandate anything. And I think ultimately, if you want to get vaccinated, go to your doctor and talk to him about it. Joe Rogan has his doctor, as I always mentioned, because people are like, doctors are dumb, Tim. You know, I don't trust my doctor. Well, then get a better doctor. That's why I say it all the time. It's policy. It's mandate. It's authoritarianism that we cannot allow. Now, things are starting to get spicy. Take a look at this story, and then we'll talk about New York and their vaccine mandate, because this is good. A sad story, actually, but it's getting spicy. I'll put it that way. I shouldn't say good. The Daily Mail reports wild gunfight erupts on the streets of Brooklyn 
as police arrest suspect in killing of taxi driver. They say a suspect wanted in connection with the murder of a cabbie engaged cops in a gun battle in Brooklyn on Sunday before being arrested. New Rochelle police have been staking out an address at Myrtle Avenue and uh, and Fleet Walk in Fort Greene after spotting a Dodge car belonging to the 52 year old male. The suspect walked out of a building at around 1030 a.m. and started shooting at officers who returned fire. All of a sudden you hear, hey, hey, and guys running from them. Officer running up and all of a sudden cops pull up. Bam, bam, bam. Guys hiding behind a tree. Local resident Jermaine Diaz said people scattered as shooting broke out across the street with one bullet smashing through the glass window of an empty store. Yikes, man. We all jumped to the ground. Lady fall in front of me. Guy fell, came back up. Old man tripped, started flying. The suspect was not been identified, was later detained and a gun retrieved from the scene. There were no reports of any injuries to either the suspect or the cops. Now, this is just one story, just one story. And it's New York. Stories like this do happen. But for a long time, crime was going down. In fact, crime is still down from like several decades ago. The issue is, from its lowest point, crime is now going up. And it's likely due to Democrat policy. There was one story where a guy with the, with the, uh, was the cash bail reform, he got arrested like a handful of times. And then when they let him out, he just was laughing, saying, y'all caught me do it. You're letting me go again. Something to that effect. This is the policy of the Democrats. But I'll put it this way. That's less important than what we're seeing now with vaccine mandates. These police officers engaged a man who sought to kill, who killed. They risked their lives. Man, it's a thankless job in many respects. Now, I got a lot, I got a lot of criticism to go around for police. A lot of policing is petty and a waste of our time. And a lot of cops are good dudes. I've, I've been pulled over before knowing I've done something wrong. And I have a cop just be like, come on, man, here's a warning. And I'm like, you got me, dude. I'm never, I was out when I was young and I'm speeding. And then I've also had really bad cops try planting drugs on me, accuse me of speeding when I wasn't because it turns out, you know, we're all people. That's why authoritarianism is bad because we're all people. No individual knows what's best. And right now, you know, Dr. Fauci was, there's a video going around with Dr. Sanjay Gupta talking to Dr. Fauci about an Israel study on natural immunity. And Fauci said he had no good answer why we shouldn't take natural immunity into account. So maybe we will. That still, I think, distracts from the greater conversation of no vaccine mandates. We shouldn't be mandating medical procedures. Testing is where you get a little, uh, it gets a little different, but I still don't think that should be mandated either. I think people should be accepting of the risks they take in the real world. What's happening now is as that conversation emerges, there's an actual conversation around what we require of our police. And the police are saying, no, they're flying Gadsden flags, which brings me to what's happening in New York from patch.com. NYPD, FDNY, COVID vax rates remain flat amid mandate talks. Nothing's off the table. Mayor Bill de Blasio repeated this week about potential municipal worker vaccine mandates. From patch.com, they say barely a handful of New York City's unvaccinated police and firefighters got a dose of COVID-19 vaccine the the week in the week since Mayor de Bill de Blasio hinted at further city workforce mandates. Data shows both NYPD and FDNY Two of the largest and most public facing New York City agencies remain in the bottom 10 of the city's department's vaccination rates, according to the mayor's office data compiled Wednesday. In a week, NYPD's percentage of workers who received at least one dose ticked up a single point to 69 percent. FDNY's vaccination rate stayed flat at 59 percent. Those are some pretty big numbers. And what do you think is going to happen to a city like New York when there's no cops? I'll tell you, I've seen it. 
I have seen it during Hurricane Sandy when EMS police first responders were stretched so thin the power was out. And man, went to a bodega, little corner store, and they had two guys standing next to the door holding like bats and two by fours. And they had a line at the door, one person allowed in at a time. You maybe have heard me talk about this story before. That's what you will revert to. Because the police do help keep the peace. As much as the left doesn't want to admit it, it's true. And that's why I think policing is a good thing. Now, I will say, as of recent, I've been saying abolish the police. And you've heard me say it a million times, because as we're entering more COVID restrictions, I do not trust these institutions to actually do the right thing. We talked about this. Um, I can't remember who we were talking to uh, on TimCast.RL. And I said, who, uh, how, how do the, the, um, the high ranking NYPD officers get their jobs? They're appointed. They're appointed by Democrats. Okay. Are Democrats racist? Invariably, moderates and conservatives say, yes, they are. Democrats deny it, but I can prove they are. Democrats appoint police officers who are then accused by Democrats of being racist, of racially profiling black people and Latinos in Democrat cities. All of the stories we heard about, uh, I should say all of the stories, but most of the stories we heard about police brutality come from urban environments that are typically Democrat. In red areas where people are more personally responsible and bear their own arms, you get quite different stories. But of course, we still had um, uh, Amit Arbery, which was a particularly red area. I'm not saying it's absolute. I'm just saying New York is a particularly good example. Seattle, when, the, when these activists come out and say all of these cops are racist and got to be abolished, I'm like, they were appointed by the people you voted for. Now, not, not all of the people voted for these Democrats, but yeah, it's not conservatives appointing these Democrat cops. So I'll put it this way. If Democrats are going to be appointing police and the police are going to be enforcing illegal and unconstitutional actions, we probably should rethink what we're doing with these departments right now. Because while the general idea seems to make sense, yeah, have a police force, you know, right now in, in, the, in the realism, I'll put it this way. We are not looking at real policing. We are, look, uh, I should say, maybe we're, not, we're not looking at idealized policing. We're looking at real world policing with all its political garbage mixed up in it. If you come to me and say uh, some, some local community members are going to be granted the authority of the state to try and enforce the law, they'll be constrained by certain you know, civilian oversight boards, they'll be granted certain privileges in, 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 the, in, the, in defense of their actions and things like that. And I'm like, I get it, I get it. I think over, overall, a police force is sort of a neutral arbiter in many senses. It's a really good idea. You know, I was thinking about this, this um, I can't remember what I was watching, but I was thinking about you know, when I was younger, my parents, if I was fighting with my siblings, my parents would be like, you need to learn how to figure it out for yourself. You know, you go work it out. And I'm like, we're fighting. We're yelling. It's not being worked out. We need arbitration. And it's actually really annoying to me to think about my parents being like, you figure it on your own. You need to learn how to do it. No, that's not how the system works. When two adults are fighting over like, your fence is on my property line. No, it isn't. And then, you know, they, they, they go to court. They seek a higher authority to be the arbiter of these circumstances. And I think that's fair and fine. I think about that in terms of police and what they provide. And it's like, yeah, if there's a conflict, the cops will come out and try to try to stop conflict and then try and resolve it. Far from perfect. The problem I have now is the politicization of it. 
in these in these cities like you know New York, where it's overwhelmingly Democrats appointing these these officers who then get accused of being racist. And if they're going to be mandating uh, you know vaccines or other restrictions, it will be the police to enforce it. More importantly, they already enforce the violation of your Second Amendment rights. Period shall not be infringed. So saith the Second Amendment. So you should be able to keep and bear arms in New York. You can't. In Maryland, you can't. In New Jersey, you can't. In Illinois, you can't. In many of these places. Oh, they argue you can. They just make it extremely difficult. I'll put it this way. The state has no right to issue press passes. I love that in New York City, they're like, did you get your New York City press pass? I'm like, what authority does the government have to say who is and isn't a journalist? The same is true for bearing arms. Who gives you the right to infringe upon my right to keep and bear arms, to speak my mind, to report? So I look at this and I say, here's my concern. For one, respect to these cops who are standing up for freedom. But I'm not entirely convinced they will defend freedom in the long run. I think as soon as they get what they want, they'll turn right around and use the power of the state against the civilians. We've seen it before. The famous story, and I could be wrong about this, maybe, you know, but the famous story I was told was that Youngstown, Ohio, the police were protesting during Occupy Wall Street with firefighters. And the moment the city negotiated with the cops and gave them what they wanted, they turned around and started arresting firefighters. Maybe that's like a bit exaggerated. Maybe it was like one firefighter or something. That's the story that, that you hear. Now, when I look at things like this, I look at uh, New York City, where they spray paint black, li- not spray paint, but they painted Black Lives Matter um, by illegally appropriating tax funds from the city population. And then those police gleefully defended it. Was it 27 officers said, we're going to guard this illegal action by the mayor for political purposes. Okay. The moment I saw that, you know, maybe I should have realized it sooner, but that right there is like abolish the police. Sorry. If the Democrats are appointing cops who are hiring cops who are defending the, 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 the corrupt and illegal activities. Yeah. Yo, those cops are criminals. We're going to go make an argument about legislature, the, the, the legislature and legislation. There's a law that says this, that, or otherwise, and the cops are enforcing it. That violates my rights, perhaps. But that's more of a civil issue, and it's a bad one. We are, we are, our freedoms are being encroached, but it's not like there was a law that we all agreed on, and then the cops walked over and then just started, you know, bashing you over the head or something. That, to me, is like, you have a criminal police force. Michael Malice likes to say that all cops are criminals, and he says that there is no law so uh, uh, egregious that the cops would not enforce it, up and, in, uh, up and including executing children. That's a very serious claim. I don't know if I would agree with. However, I would agree in a certain respect. I'll put it this way. If you have a cop right now, I guarantee you it would be a, a, an extreme disturbing occurrence that that officer would actually follow out with orders to kill a child. That being said, as an institution, I completely agree with Michael Malice. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to purge the police officers. They're going to purge the law enforcement. They're going to say you have to get the vaccine or else. The only people who are left in the military and in law enforcement are going to be lemmings. Cog, it's unfair to lemmings. I know that whole story was fake, but you get the point. NPCs, cogs in the machine. These are the people who will absolutely blindly follow those orders. That's the institution that I believe Michael Malice is correct about. The individuals, not so much. But until they purge them, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe we should start being worried about that now that they're starting to get rid of these officers. I think in New York City, 
a big piece of what we're seeing is that these individuals are trying to negotiate for better union rates and that if the government wants to make a mandate, then their union has to grant them something. I think most of these these cops are probably going to just say, you know, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get the vaccine as soon as they give me better pay or whatever. That's typically how it goes. In the end, if we sit back and we don't demand accountability, we are going to end up with a police state Gestapo. We're, we're getting close, mind you. We are. We've seen some egregious action from cops. I think the right got a rude awakening when protesters in the Pacific Northwest were like peacefully protesting legit and the cops blocked them to defend Antifa. Or when a man who was being like essentially threatened by Antifa got arrested himself and the cops apologized to Antifa. You see where this goes. They want you, the good officers, to quit, to resign. And they don't care how or why. Maybe they'll say that person you arrested, we're letting go. You won't be able to do your job. And then cops get frustrated and say, I'm out. I can't do this. The cops that remain are like, don't know, don't care. Then they're going to say, okay, those that remain, we're going to mandate a medical injection against your will. Otherwise, you're fired. And a lot of them will say, don't know, don't care. And some of them will be like, yo, that's the line. But where's the line for the rest of these officers? Sooner or later, you'll end up with nothing but a police force that just does exactly what they're told. And then you'll and then we'll be like the UK, Australia or, or Canada with the cops kicking your door in because there are reports that there were seven people in your in your building. We got a report that there were six people in this apartment. Yes, we're having a family dinner. That's one person too many. And have you seen the video in Canada and they start beating the guy and they're dragging him out and they're screaming? Have you seen the videos from Australia or from the UK where I think it was in, in Scotland, it may have been Scotland, where... The police show up to a house and they're like, where is he? And they're like, what's happening? He's accused of violating lockdown. It's like, he's been here the whole time. Don't care. And they like throw the mom to the ground and like trying to drag some guy. It's crazy stuff. Australia is building camps. That's not going to end anytime soon. So while I can respect these officers who are standing up and saying, no, I'm not entirely convinced it's going to, um, it's going to matter because to be honest, this is probably what these establishment Democrats want. They want these cops to leave. Now, they don't want the crime while they're there. They don't want to be threatened. Take a look at the Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. When they took that over, the city did not care one bit until they protested at the mayor's house. I believe it was the mayor. And then all of a sudden, the cops came in and just swept them out. Don't you come after me or else. Antifa gets a free pass so long as they're attacking enemies of the, of the political establishment. You have a political establishment right now that wants you to quit Seattle police officers, that wants you to quit NYPD, the fire department, not so much, but still, yeah, they want you to quit so they can have their own private armies, a bunch of clone troopers saying, yes, sir, how high, sir, not questioning a single thing. And then you will get what Michael Malice predicts. Then you will start to see how bad it is when you end, when you end up with uh Cops that will just do anything because they want to keep their jobs. The Daily Mail reports Chicago restricts cops from taking time off as department threatens to axe up to half of its 13,000 officers who are yet to declare their vaccination status. You see, there is a freedom flu going around. It's not exactly what a lot of people thought it was. And the media is certainly lying, but it's there. It's individuals saying, I'm about to lose my job. Time for vacation. Time to call in sick. They didn't organize it, but here you go. CPD officers were given until Friday to disclose their COVID-19 vaccination status. 
unvaccinated Chicago cops face being terminated under the city's vaccine mandate. This could result in up to half of the city's 13,000 cops being axed by the city. As a result, a memo was sent out on Saturday saying time off will be restricted. Ooh, this is going to get fun in Chicago, isn't it? They call it Chirac. There are more gun deaths in Chicago than in Iraq. Okay, there's population differences, but isn't it amazing? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Now, I don't know if the Chicago police are doing the right things in Chicago. I think, in fact, the, the, the institution of the Chicago police is particularly corrupt. It's bad, man. It really is bad. Yeah. Not a whole lot I can say outside of that, but I think it's corrupt. I don't think every cop is, however. I've met my share of good cops, and I've heard my stories and met my share of bad cops. I have been saved from a mugging by several officers. I got, uh, me and my uh, brother got hit by a cab driver, and the cops, they defended us. Uh, it hit, hit, hit uh, cars colliding, car accident. And then when the police came and saw it, they were like, we think we understand what happened here. And they took our side, and they helped us out tremendously. I've seen some good cops. Um, it was it was a crazy experience having some guy try to mug me and I'm flat broke. And then the cops came up and stopped it in progress. And they arrested the guy and screamed in his face. It was amazing. And then I've also had bad cops. I've seen them. I've seen crooked cops come and make things up and arrest people, plant drugs, all that stuff. CPD's got really bad stories. There was a story about activists who were secretly filming cops and then got arrested disappeared for like 10 days. The Chicago PD were, were operating what they called black sites, meaning locations where they did operations off the books. There's the famous story of that guy who was electrocuting people into confessions. What was that guy's name? I can't remember that guy's name. You, you know what I'm talking about? It was a Chicago detective, I guess, and he would electrocute people forcing confessions and they'd lock them up. Man, I can't remember what that guy's name was. Anyway, I digress. You get it. There are a lot of good cops. They don't get paid enough. It's a very dangerous job. Imagine being involved in a shootout in Brooklyn and then being told that you're, you're going to lose your job unless you undergo a forced medical procedure. Now, these people who are going to quit, where do they go? I don't know. And the ones who stay, what are they willing to do? What you need to understand is that as much as we've seen bad cops, sometimes the good cops are the ones stopping it from going overboard. Scruples. There could be a bad cop who's like, I can't cross that line because this guy will, will stop me. Well, then goody two-shoes officer McGee gets fired because he refuses to undergo the vax mandate or enforce it. And now this guy is like, the only people left are scumbags like me and we can do whatever we want. Or the cowards, you know, the people who are like, I don't like what's happening, but I'm more than willing to be a part of that machine because the snowflake doesn't blame itself for the avalanche. It's different here, though. Imagine if the snowflake could get up and leave, but decided not to, because the avalanche is just more comfortable. My kids are eating for now, but once that avalanche is done, there ain't going to be any more, any more food, and the shortages we're seeing are due to your compliance. If people stood up for their rights, we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place. We'll see how these cities handle it when they lose all these cops, though, 
Because as much as I'm saying like the bad cops will remain, they're still going to be lacking a lot of cops as crime skyrockets. So I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.